Hey everyone, you're listening to Something Real. On today's Something to Talk About portion, we're staying in Luke chapter 4 and getting into a little more depth regarding what Rich talked about earlier in the week. We're going to be discussing how the temptations Jesus faced in the desert are really not at all unlike the temptations that we face today on a regular basis. Using Jesus' example, we can have a better idea of how to fight those struggles and those temptations and and fill ourselves with the gospel rather than the things of this earth. I know for a lot of us that's easier said than done, so it's important to really hash that out and talk about it and learn how we can fill ourselves more with the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're discussing today. Let's get started. So as we've uh, been talking about this and we um, dealt with in the earlier podcast, we're in the same text as we were last week, but this week we're focusing on what we can glean from Jesus in, in his wilderness experience facing the devil that, that we can use in handling our own wilderness attacks. Uh, we're going to have lots of different areas that we get attacked in, and really they still come down to these three, these three key areas uh, that Luke probably wasn't thinking about in this way, but God knows what he's doing and inspiring his scripture. So uh, we see, you know, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and pride of life as, um, as John would describe them in, in 1 John uh, 2.16. But we kind of left the, um, the something to think about uh, podcast with the idea that, that contentment nullifies temptation. And the more filled up we are with God, the less room there is. Uh, for the devil to get his fingers in to to grab us and tempt us and, and drag us away, but there are a lot of um, there are a lot of different kinds of temptation. You know, we're not most of us aren't going to be fasting for forty days in the wilderness and stuff like that. I'm not, but <laughs> uh, not without coffee for sure. That's true. <clears throat> and so, you know, those details might change, even though the general principles where the devil attacks us are the same. And, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever read C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters. Uh, it's a book I recommend to everybody. It, it's just, it's a, it's a fictional book, but it, it's the reality, the truth uh, that we can see and how the devil seems to attack our minds mm-hmm. uh, is really clear there. And it looks a lot like this, where there is a strategic plan to tempt us to think things that aren't really valid, that seem valid, but aren't valid and lead us away from what God has for us. And I feel like there are so many, maybe not more ways, but different ways that that those temptations can sneak in nowadays. Sure. Yeah, one person might deal with arrogance. Another person might deal with uh, with worry. Another person mm-hmm. might be dealing with a, a pornography addiction or you know a substance abuse sort of thing. Uh, somebody else might have bitterness. Somebody else might you know there are so many different ways. We get, maybe it's getting hung up on our politics as opposed to the gospel, and we, and we get we get tied up in so many things that seem to be good things that we miss out on the God things, and none of these. Issues that Satan tempts Jesus with in, in Luke 4 are bad things mm-hmm. in themselves. It's the wrong path to getting there. And so uh, Neil Anderson in, in his uh, Freedom in Christ materials from Victory of the Darkness and the Bondage Breaker and so on uh, talks about the, the fact that what we're really doing is we're, we're trying to meet legitimate needs through illegitimate means. That's very often. In fact, I would I would say, if I weren't so averse to the words always and never, I would say that's always what the devil does. He takes a real need, something that's, that's 
legitimate that God built into us and tries to get us to meet that need in an illegitimate way. And it looks nice and shiny. Absolutely. And... Like, like fruit on the tree in Eden. You right. Know? Wow, that is beautiful fruit. And it really is good. That's going to be good eating right there, you know. Uh, that's better than a Macintosh. We're going after this. This is the real thing. And if it's really going to make me wise, I'm going to know what God knows. Man, I know God loves me, so maybe he didn't really mean to tell me not to eat of this tree because right. God must want me happy. And we get all these different subtle lies. Uh, you know, Paul says it in Second Corinthians that, that the devil appears as an angel of light. In other words, it's kind of like the, the, the red dress and the matrix where... I've never seen see. The Matrix, so stop. So here's here's my <laughs> pop culture reference that you're not following. But uh, in the, the Matrix, where there's a, a this dichotomy between the real world and this Matrix program that we're all perceiving. What we think is reality isn't our reality. Right. It's a it's a construct. And throughout, I think Elon Musk really thinks we're living there. No, very possible. <laughs> but uh, as you know, as you go through this periodically, there's this you know, gorgeous woman in a red dress that comes up that somebody has put into the program okay. to be appealing. And very often this sort of thing is exactly how the devil shows up. I thought it was devil in a blue dress. That, that was <laughs> prior to the matrix. So uh, up until 2001, it was, okay. but now as we look at, um, or 99, I don't know. I don't know. Anyhow, back to the actual Sorry. stuff. <laughs> um, the the devil will come. He's not going to come looking like something from a Halloween costume. Right. Anybody With could see horns past and a pitchfork. Right. You know. And I've, I've you know said for years. You know if you know if you have you know in the '90s I said Pam Anderson or whatever. You have some some beautiful woman show up at my door naked, wanting me to go commit adultery. I'm not the brightest person, but even I can see that this is a bad thing. It, it's the subtle things. It's the little things that seem good that I can call my righteous indignance but what it really is is judgmental anger so I get mad at people and I use religious things to justify it hmm. and I'll say well I'm not judging I'm just speaking truth okay you're just relabeling your own sin I can talk about my jealousy and then put Christian labels on it well I wish I had what this person had that's just old-fashioned coveting I can dress it up and call it something else and say, well, I'm really, I'm really content. I'm really actually happy with what God gives me. No, you're not. That's why you're coveting. You're just trying to say it right. So we get a lot of subtle things where the devil will, will break in. But as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. So the same temptations, the details are different now. Jesus didn't have the internet, you know, you know, didn't have Elon Musk sending us to space and things like that. But, um, why we mentioned him twice, I don't know. Not sponsored by Elon. Never even met the dude. But um, but if he's listening to the podcast, he can call us and we'll do that. But with all of these details, they don't change the reality of who we are. People have been the same since Eden. We're not different. That's cray to think about. <laughs> and we don't think about it enough, right. I think. Because I think we, we it's easy for us to think, well, those don't apply to me. That was literally the first thing in the Bible. Right. So how can that apply to me today? Right. Oh, we've changed so much. Right. That, that's, I mean, not to sidetrack too much, but that's one of the subtle things about evolutionary theory when we teach that man evolved from some right. other semi-human species, then we look at the Bible and think, well, 
what they were back then in Genesis. That's not the same as we are now. They weren't the same intelligent beings that, that we are now. We've evolved. We're better. That's a subtle lie also from the devil that tells us that we are somehow fundamentally different than we have ever been. We're not. We are fundamentally the same. The details are different. You know, there's a, an old song from uh, one of my favorite artists, Brian Duncan, that uh, talks about the, the heart is the same, it's just a different face. Mm-hmm. We have the same stuff going on inside. People are sick. This is the medicine. More than sick, we recognize that we're actually dead in our sins. But even as we're, uh, as saved people, we're still battling these same things. The same disease, the same cancer of sin is still present. And if we're going to just keep on thinking that it's supposed to be automatic, you know, we get, we get saved, we say a prayer, boom, the Lord takes away our problems. And mm-hmm. I'm never going to sin again. We're going to have some second blessing of holiness, uh, not to mock the false theology others but that's false theology i mean that that's that's a bad doctrine that's not scriptural the holy spirit comes upon us and marks us and seals us the holy spirit enables us to live the resurrection life of christ so that we can please god but not because we have some supernatural download where god dumps information into our brains and all of a sudden we never sin again and we never have that desire again we have to go through it the same way jesus did where we have to fight the battle. We have to spend time meditating on God's word day and night so that we get the truth of God built into us so it's, it's in the, every fiber of who we are. We see Psalm 119 as the psalmist is, is praising God's word and clamoring for it. How do I keep my way pure? By feasting on God's word. How do I please God? How do I not sin against God? By feasting on God's word. And when I realize that the precepts of God are are pure and altogether righteous and good and wholesome and helpful and all of God's promises are better than anything that the devil gives us in his false advertising, he keeps trying to sell us a product that's not as good as the product we already own. So we keep chasing after things that are second best. They look good, but they're inherently defective. They're inferior to what God has already given us in Christ. And I, I really feel like if we as Christ followers would begin to embrace the reality of who we are in Christ, not in our own strength, but to begin to delight in the Lord and recognize, man, I'm chasing after things here in this temporal life. I want this to be better. I want you know, I want to feel better. I want to have, uh, you know, we, we call it a better life when we're talking about wealth that's going to be passing away. I want that. I want physical health. I want comfort. But all of this, the very best this world has to offer is temporary. This is a moment. And it's we, junk compared it, it, to... It's absolutely junk. Paul said it's not worth comparing to what's coming. That We have something much greater and the more we think in terms of religion and a set of beliefs that we adhere to, the less we're going to grasp the reality. The idea of religion was not on Jesus' mind. Right. It's just the reality of God. I am here with the Father. He loves me. The Spirit is with me, guiding me. And for him, obviously, you know, there's, there's the whole uh, being part of the Trinity. But the humanity of Christ is walking this earth the same way you and I do, And if we can begin to grasp the reality that everything hinges on Christ, that the most ultimate, wickedest, evilest, vilest sin in the world is to do anything 
apart from the glory of God, then we begin to start seeing things differently. When we stop thinking of these heinous crimes that are worthy of a certain penalty, and we begin to think in terms of the whole reason we exist is to be completely centered on God. Therefore, if I'm delighting in the steak dinner I'm having tonight more than in the God who created the steak dinner tonight, that is the ultimate sin. That is the ultimate wickedness. And all the rest is just details. The murder, the genocide, the, all of these betrayals in relationships, these are symptoms. These are little compared to the greatness of the cancer of doing life my way instead of God's way. That's the, the big picture. Well, it's interesting. I think sometimes it's it's very difficult for us to think beyond a temporary state because, A, this is all we know is this right. world. Absolutely. So it, it's interesting that when the devil came to tempt Jesus in this particular example, he was suffering, in a sense, right. from hunger. And I think... That's not insignificant to the story. Right. But I think we as a people, when we're suffering in one way or another, look for without even realizing a, a temporary fix that will right. make us feel better for a little bit, maybe. Like, yeah. you know, retail therapy or whatever, yeah. or Amazon therapy, you know. <laughs> but deep down we know, okay, I'm sad, I'm gonna go shopping and get a new shirt. Right. That might make us feel good for, for a, a minute. minute, but it's yeah. not fixing the underlying problem. So then it just keeps building and building and building and we keep adding all this junk right. to get a few minutes of happiness. And I mean, <laughs> that's a temptation in itself to just keep grasping at these right. pieces. And, and if we're thinking logically, which so often we don't, it's not really a temptation because I know that's not going to fix my situation. And I can plug anything else into that. I mean, right. it, it is a temptation, but it's not. It's, anything that is tempting only tempts me if I let it tempt me by thinking wrongly. So Jesus is tempted in that the opportunity is there it's presented the same advertising applying on the same urges that that you and i would have all of the same feelings and emotions the difference is jesus doesn't let that direct his thinking he lets the thinking the truth that he's already embedded in his heart the word of god he lets that then dictate the feelings and so uh, <laughs> anyway as as jesus is going through this the reason that it's not drawing his heart away from the Lord is because his heart is already so connected to the Lord. He's already so in love with the Father, so fulfilled, so content, knowing that, that the promises are real and true and good, regardless of how I feel. So then when his feelings take him a different direction, he can hit the brakes and say, wait a minute, those feelings are temporary. Trying to fix this, you know, I'm hungry. I'm dying inside. And so often we think that and we can joke about, well, yeah, well you we know, miss lunch. We're, so now we're, I'm, I'm starving. <laughs> well, you're not starving, obviously. Right. But he was. Yeah. <laughs> and voluntarily, by the, by the right. way. So we look at it and, you know, we over dramatize everything. All of our problems are always bigger than anybody else's have ever been in the history of the world. You know, Job had it bad, but he didn't go through what I'm going through. And so, you know, that's kind of what happens inside that the devil takes us that way. Pain always makes us selfish. Always. That's the nature of it. And so when, when Jesus has the opportunity not to do anything bad. It's not like he's saying, you know, hey, Jesus, commit adultery. Right. Jesus, rob a bank. He's saying, just eat. You right. can. 
you, you can stop this all right now. Just turn this into bread. You can do that. The devil knows that Jesus created the universe, so right. he can do this. He can make some bread. Yeah, right. So um, the opportunity isn't that the act is inherently sinful, but it's it, it's shortening. The temptation is to shorten the, the suffering, to, yes. to cause relief here. And and it, it would. For but a while. It would it would take him out of what God had in well, mind Well, he's responding to each of these temptations with the word. Absolutely. He's not just saying, you're stupid, you know, I'm not going right. to do that. He's actually responding with the word. That's the big thing. Right. He's not trying to do this in the strength of his own flesh. Right. And we so often do. We try to we try to gut it out. Right. You know, I'm going to use my willpower to change these things. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to decide that I'm going to power through and this isn't going to tempt me, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look the other way and all the, all the different things that we do. That's just trying to bind back behavior. Right. But when we truly delight in the Lord, when we don't just read I'm the, the master script. of my fate and the captain of my soul. <laughs> that one of the biggest temptations we face. And so when if we're only reading the scripture on a Sunday morning or in a podcast or a Bible study, and we're not hungering for it, rolling it around in our mind, thinking about it. You know, we, we spent in our youth group, we spent the last two months probably just focused on memorizing Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And every time we do it, we're rolling with it. What, what does it say? What does it mean? How does that apply? What is it that you might be anxious about that you that is going to cause you stress this week? How can you rejoice in the Lord? And what makes it hard for you to rejoice in the Lord? Mm -hmm. What are you rejoicing in besides the Lord? So as we're going through this, we're taking you know over four or five verses. We are... Um, my, my really good math says five. So as, as we're going through this, the reason we're spending so much time wrestling with just this one small passage is because just to read it and have it is one thing. It wasn't just that Jesus quoted these things. It's that he knew them. He understood them. He got the, the power of what they actually mean because this isn't the first time he's brought this up. He didn't have to go look it up. This is memorized. It's like, hold up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, hold on a second, devil. Let me Google this real quick. Which, granted, you know, there are times when we're going to not know stuff. We're going right. to have to look stuff up. I'm not saying don't do that. But the more I have put into my heart, not because I read it once, but because I read it over and over again, and I meditated on it day and night. I feasted on this. I hungered after God's word like a person might hunger for bread after 40 days. And that's really the heart of what Jesus is saying here is, look, my soul is hungrier for God's word than my body is for food. So my my desire to rule comes from reigning with the Father as he has called me to do. I don't need your help. He's already got a promise that's bigger and better and lasting. You have temporary authority on a leash from God. So you're going to sublet to me? I don't think so. I own this. I don't have to worry about this. When my Father gives me this inheritance, it's better and it's permanent. You can't offer that. But the reason he's able to quote this to quote these scriptures and to, to take this on is because he already has wrestled with this truth. He's already embraced it. When he, you know, looks at, you know, this temptation to throw himself off of the temple so that the Lord will prove his love for him by protecting with his angels, he already knows the Father's love. I don't have to prove anything to anyone, and the Father doesn't have to prove it to me. I'm here because of the Father's love. And when we begin to really get to really get the scriptures, 
and have it deep in us, not just on our surface, not tattooed on our arms, as you know, we see that so popular in in, in the church and uh, you know. That seems very nineties. Yeah. Well, we. I mean, we're doing it. See, people are doing it all the time. Let's let's tattoo the scripture on our body. That's fine for what it is. Tattoo it on your soul. When you get the word tattooed on your soul, that's when it matters. Well, I think that's an important point to make because. Like, I mean, like we just talked about, it's very easy in, you know, I could go home and Google a verse that would seem to apply to whatever situation I'm currently in right. without even, you know, really understanding what it fully means, really wrestling with it, really thinking, what does this mean? How does it apply to me? And I think we do that so often to justify the temptations that we do give into on mm -hmm. a regular basis or you know, well, the Bible says this, so I can do this, yeah. or... So we pick and choose. Right. So. so I think it's important, like you were just saying, to... And what Jesus, he had it in him. Yeah. And so if we're going to go and throw verses around or anything from the Bible around, it's very important to have it in you. Right. Well, and, and what you just described is using the Bible the same way we would use retail therapy or right. substance abuse right. or whatever Make else. Make yourself feel better so for a minute. So we get this temporary fix. Right. If I find the scripture that gives me that quick inspiration, the yeah. you know the meme theology, we're gonna right. we're gonna find all of these great Facebook and Instagram memes that yeah. have a scripture on it with a cute picture, you know, of of a cat hanging from a branch or whatever. You know, all these wonderful things. They're that's Christianity light. We're getting this this quick fix that can give us a temporary buzz that can maybe get us through the situation or more likely make us feel better for a minute after we've blown it. Right. You know. But what we need is the full picture, the whole counsel of God, not just bits and pieces that work for our situation. But what does God say that I don't want to hear? Because what God's telling me that I don't want to hear is what makes all the stuff that I do want to hear meaningful. That's probably what I really need. It, uh, what I don't always, want to hear is what I really need. Almost always the case, isn't it? I mean, as kids, that's what our parents give us is right. stuff that we don't want, that we really need. Right. And if, we, if they just gave us what we want... None of us would eat our vegetables. We'd all just have ice cream and cotton candy all the time. And no teeth. And no teeth. And we would so. suffer. And we want spiritual teeth. <laughs> Interesting analogy. Well, I think we're going to cut it off on spiritual teeth. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a good discussion. I think we both got a little fired up. <laughs> that might happen sometimes. That's all good. All right. So, uh, again, I hope you guys are enjoying this new format and it works for you. This is what was it about 20 minutes? So that's good. You can listen on your way to work and back. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next time.